David and Goliath is one of the most beloved stories in Scripture. A very captivating, exciting, well-known story. It is one of the most preached narratives in Scripture. And as a story of victory over insurmountable odds, it has become the story to help us fight our own Goliaths today. Many sermons preach telling us how to be successful as David. Titles, how to have a heart of a champion in the ever-enduring facing your giants. And all of these sermons call us to follow David's example in order to conquer our giants. And we are told that those giants can spring up everywhere. Challenges at work, problems at home, difficulties in devotion. But God wants you to be victorious. And he has given you the weapons. If only you will dare to be like David. We love glory. We love glory. We want our best life now. We love it. Glory is important, and glory is biblical. But it's not I can do all things. It's not God who helps those who help themselves. Biblical glory does not come by our victory. Biblical glory is found only in the cross of Jesus Christ. Our glory is the cross. Everything in the Christian life must pass through the cross. Everything in the Christian life must pass through a cross. So as popular as this story is, it is meaningless without the cross. You are not David, and it's not your glory we should see this morning. This story calls you to discard your fame and to find the real champion, David's greater son, our crucified Savior, So the story of David and Goliath is a story of the cross. It's not a moral example story. It is a story of two representatives on the battlefield. On one side is this awesome and terrifying enemy who defies the living God. In biblical theological terms, he is the offspring of the serpent. He's the Antichrist. He is the anathematized. And he curses God. And he curses God's people. His native tongue is blasphemy. And this champion is powerful. This champion is prideful. And he represents the glory of man. In his stature, in his position, in his power, in his pomp, in his prestige. He was having his best life now. And he was having 
having it at the expense of God's people. It says, verse 1, chapter 17, verse 1, now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. That is, the Philistines, the enemy of God, the enemy of God's people, the unclean were gathered at Sukkot. And the writer tells us which belongs to Judah. So if you're not familiar with the geography, the unclean are in the promised land. Now, if you recall, if you know your biblical history in Torah, the promised land was a holy place where only a holy people could dwell. The unholy were not allowed in the holy land. But now there's a foreign invasion. The unholy have entered paradise. Kind of reminds you of that serpent in the garden. He didn't belong there, by the way. These Philistines don't belong in Judah. A holy people, a holy place. You see, this place belonged to a certain people. And those people were the circumcised. Only the circumcised belonged in this holy land. And so David says in verse 26, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? What is this uncircumcised doing in this holy land? And how dare he defy the armies of the living God? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Now, that was a theological question that David was asking. He was asking a theological question. David knew that this unclean people, like the serpent in the garden, did not belong in this place. Goliath's name means exiled. His actual name means exiled. He didn't belong in the land. He was exiled. He was exiled from God. He was without the sign and seal of the covenant. He was not circumcised. He was without God. He was without hope. And he was marked for destruction. Not having the sign and seal of circumcision, all those who did not have the sign and seal of circumcision were marked for destruction. And here was this uncircumcised. Now, uncircumcision is key to the story. Uncircumcision is key. And here we see that the uncircumcised were greater, the uncircumcised were stronger, and the uncircumcised were confident. Luther called this, Martin Luther called this a theology of glory. Whereas the circumcised were weak and afraid, that's Luther's theology of the cross. Yet not David. David was circumcised and was not afraid because he believed in the sign of circumcision. Now, that might sound foreign to your modern ears. Why, circ Pastor, what does circumcision have to do with anything here in this text? Well, it has to do with everything. That's why David says, why is this uncircumcised here? You see, the sign and seal of God's promise God promised Israel that he would be their shield and reward. And the sign and seal of that promise was circumcision. And those without circumcision did not belong to God. And thus, according to God's promise, 
they were already defeated. So in David's mind, this uncircumcised Philistine was already destroyed. David knew the unclean in this holy place would face the judgment of God. David was already victorious, and he knew it. It was just a matter of time. Verse 4, and there came out of the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits span. That is, he was nine feet, nine inches tall. Nine, you ever seen an NBA player? Like, they're not even nine feet, but they're giants. Nine feet, nine inches. And he has not only is he giant, but he has every advantage. Verse 5 says... He had a helmet of bronze on his head. He was armed with a coat of mail. The weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had a bronze armor on his legs. He had a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. He had this giant spear that weighed a weaver's beam, whatever that is. I mean, he's just extraordinary. That's, that's the point. His spearhead weighed 600 shekels of iron. And he had a shield bearer went before him, protecting him. That is, he seemed invincible. He was invincible. And so Israel was afraid. Verse 11, Israel hides in fear. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. They were afraid. And that's what happens when you judge by sight. Fear follows sight. But David lived by faith. David had faith. So we'll see. Now he said, come down this Philistine. He says, choose a man for yourself, verse 8. Choose a man for yourself and let him come to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then, he will, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. Now that is another key. This is representative battle. In the ancient Near East, at least mythological, this happened. The idea is, each army sends out their greatest warrior champion. They fight one another, and whoever wins is the winner, and the other serves the other. The loser serves the other. So this is representative battle. This is key to the text. Circumcision is key, and now representation is key. You have the uncircumcised representing the Philistines. You have the circumcised representing the people of God. And they are representing one another. Whatever happens with the battle between these two representatives happens for all the people, the nation. And this uncircumcised Goliath represents the offspring of the serpent who brings charges and condemns Israel. He says, verse 10, and the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. I defy God's people. He says, I curse you. And it scared Israel. And with Israel quaking in their books, their boots, the story shifts focus to Israel's representative. So we've seen this great representative of the Philistines, and now the story shifts after they dismayed and defied Israel. The story shifts to Israel's representative, and he's not a warrior. There's nothing glorious about him. Verse 10, now David was the son of an Ephraite of Bethlehem and Judah named Jesse. 
And he talks about how he has all these sons, and David's the youngest. And David's nothing. And David wasn't even a warrior, it says verse 15. And David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep. So David is basically a shepherd, nothing really, just a lowly shepherd. And he's also a servant because he's going back and forth. He's serving his father. He's a shepherd's servant. Not a warrior. But in obedience to his father, he came near to battle and heard the giant cursing the God of Israel. Verse 23. And as he talked with them, David is talking with the soldiers. Behold, the champion, he's talking with Israel. He's saying, what's going on, guys? How's the battle? And as he's talking, the Philistine, Goliath, walks out, and he starts defying God and the people. And the text says, and David heard him. Now David hears this little shepherd boy, little servant shepherd boy, and with all of Israel afraid, verse 24, all the men of Israel were Saul, the men, they fled. They were very much afraid. And as they're all afraid, David asks a question. What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach for Israel? And notice this. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? that he should defy the army of the armies of the living God. David couldn't believe the army of God would stand by while one devoted to destruction would defy God, cursed God. He couldn't believe that one devoted, this uncircumcised, devoted to destruction, he is surely already defeated. Why are y'all not going out there and fighting? You easily already have the victory. They're in the holy land. And what does God's word say about the holy land? He will wipe them out. He will cleanse the land. David knew that God stood against this Philistine, so David takes up the cause, verse 32. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go. I'm not a warrior, but I'm a servant. I'll go. I'll fight this Philistine. David's no champion. He was just a humble servant. Verse 33, and Saul said to David, you're not able to go. You can't go fight this guy. You're just a kid. He says, you're a youth. And this man's been fighting in war since his childhood, since he was a youth. Yet David knew something very important. Though he was youth, he knew he was not alone. So he said, verse 37, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. God will be with me. God will be with me. You see, the one who defied the living God was nothing but an animal to David. And David knew how to handle beasts. He knew how to destroy beasts. And this man was nothing but a beast. For the Lord would fight for him. David knew that the Lord would be his shield and his reward. David knew that God promised victory over the foreigner in the land. You see, David trusts God's word. He knows what God's word says. He knows that this uncircumcised is devoted to destruction. All I got to do is go. The victory's already been won. I know I'm nothing, but I'm circumcised. <laughs> and that's all that matters. 
So he's a humble servant. He's a humble servant who trusts the Lord. He represents Israel in battle against the deadly enemy. And with the Lord on his side, he didn't need much. Verse 40, it says, he took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the brook. He went to the river. He picks out these five smooth stones. He puts them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. So he, he's going to approach this Philistine in war with his magnificence, his glory. And he doesn't even take weapons of war. He takes his staff because he's a shepherd. And a staff, you know, if you heard, you know, is there to guide the sheep. And it was also used for uh, predation. You know, as you're a shepherd, you can guide your sheep. You gently guide them. You know, don't go that way. And you can strike, you know, the predation. A wolf comes along, close combat, whack. It's, you know, it's a weapon for domesticated, you know, farmers and ranchers. And it says he takes a sling. That's what they use for, you know, for predation. As they see the predation coming from or far, far off, you can sling and get rid of the coyotes and the so forth. And if the coyotes get in, you whack them with a stick. So he's going out to meet Goliath with some farm equipment. David was not trusting weapons of war. And with weak arms, he drew to battle. Verse 41, the Philistine moved forward and came to David with his shield bearer in front of him. So the battle lines have been drawn. And when the Philistines looked and saw David, he disdained him. That is, he has pride. He's angry. He's like, what do you think this is? I want your greatest warrior. I didn't ask for some little kid. I want your champion. We see his pride and his disdain. I want your greatest defender. Not some little boy who is youth and ruddy and handsome in appearance. The Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come with me at sticks? There's his pride, his glory. And then another key to the text this is a highlighter. If you highlight this one word here, and the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And by that verb, that word cursed, as soon as that giant of a man cursed David, David knew the victory was won. For by that one little word, David would fall this giant. David now had all the assurance he needed. He would fight, he would win. Verse 45, then David said to the Philistine, you come with me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. You have cursed The word curse is an important covenantal word. It is a word attached to circumcision. Genesis 12, 3, God says, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And this uncircumcised, anathematized, Antichrist has just cursed God's people. And David went, oh, it's on. <laughs> I've already won. 
You see, the giant unknowingly sealed his fate, for according to Torah, anyone guilty of blasphemy in the promised land, even a non-Israelite, guess what the death penalty was for anyone who blasphemes God in the promised land? Death by stoning. And David says, oh, I just picked up five stones. Listen to Leviticus 24, 16. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him, the sojourner as well as the native. When he blasphemes the name, shall he be put to death. David trusted God's word. He represented Israel as a dutiful servant of God who would do all that God commands, he would fulfill God's justice and he knew God would fight, so he freely entered into the representative battle. But he didn't go on his own, he brought stipulations. He wasn't just going to kill this uncircumcised Philistine. He says, yeah, we're going in representative, I'm going to fight you, but I got more stipulations. I'm not going to just kill you, I'm going to kill you all. I'm going to defy this representative battle. I'm actually going to destroy every single one of you. Verse 46. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is God in Israel. I defy all of you. You have cursed me. You're done. He would not stop with Goliath. He would remove every unclean person from this holy place. He would live solely Deo Gloria. He would live to the glory of God alone. And he would fight for the glory of God alone. And this is a glory story. This is a story of glory. This is a solely Deo Gloria story. For victory belongs to God alone. Verse 47, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves. It is the Lord who saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hands. He will give you into our hands. And then salvation came. We know the story. They go to battle, throws the sling, and stone. He stoned the giant. He kills the giant, takes out his sword. The giant's own sword cuts off his head. And then Israel gets excited. They rout the enemy. And they had great victory that day. The Israelites had great victory this day. And as great as the victory is, we know the rest of the story. The victory is very short-lived. It's a very short-lived victory. David becomes king. We know we're going to see it. It takes a while, actually, for him to unfold as king. But he's going to eventually become king. And he is going to be a warrior king. He is going to fight for God's people. He is going to clean the land of these unholy, uncircumcised inhabitants. There will be great victory, but there will be one thing that David will not clean. There will be uncleanliness in the land, and it was David's own heart. A heart that belonged to God, matter of fact. But one that was also unclean.
David wasn't able. David wasn't able to truly cleanse the land. And he died. And Acts 2.29 says, Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, I may say with confidence that he both died and was buried. And his tomb is with us today. I am confident he was not victorious. He was not completely victorious. You see, David was also removed from the land. Just as God removed the uncircumcised, God removed David from the land. Because David had a representative too. You see, David represents the God, God's people, but David had a representative too. And that representative's name was Adam. And Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. And so Israel would soon serve foreign gods. Israel soon served foreign gods, became uncleaned, and Israel became a curse to God. And God cursed his own people and drove them out of the land. Like Adam before them, they were removed from the promised land. Death is God's removal of sinners. Adam lost to the serpent in representative battle. And so we are all devoted to destruction. Adam lost, and we're now all servants. Servants of sin. Servants of death. Devoted to destruction. You see, in this story, you're not David. You and I are Goliath. We're devoted to destruction. Sinners. Unclean. But God has given us deliverance. Acts 13.34 says, As far as the fact is, God did raise Jesus from the dead. David's still with us in a tomb. But Jesus was raised from the dead, no more to return to corruption. And Jesus has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Jesus has the true holy blessings of David. Jesus Christ is the true David in the story. He is the greater champion. He is the greater champion representative. So Paul writes, by his obedience, by one man's obedience, the Israel of God will be made righteous. You see, Jesus was like David in this story. David is a type of Christ. And Jesus was perfectly obedient. Jesus perfectly obeyed God's word. He was the servant shepherd from on high who obeyed his father and who went into representative battle and who fought and died. And Goliath overcame Jesus for a moment. <laughs> and then three days later, he destroyed death. That is, in Christ, he has destroyed all those who were in Goliath, in Adam. 
By faith, you have died with Christ on that cross, and he has defeated you, Goliath. And he has made you new. So you are no longer Goliath in this story if you trust in Christ. Actually, if you trust in Christ, you're no longer Goliath in this story. Now, if you trust in Christ, I can say with complete confidence that you are Israel in this story. You are standing back, seeing the enemy with fear and trembling. And you look to your warrior champion and you say, he's my deliverer. And you are clinging to your champion. You've been cleansed by his blood. You're no longer devoted, you're no longer devoted to destruction. Cleansed by the blood in the waters of baptism, you are now given eternal life. You're now delivered from destruction. No longer devoted, you're delivered. You see, in Christ, by faith, we're no longer cursed by death. He has forever removed our sins. And he is more than delivered. He has silenced the greatest threat against humanity. And the greatest threat against humanity is the wrath of God. That's why the Bible says God's wrath is being revealed against all those who ungodliness and unrighteousness suppress the truth and unrighteous. And there is none righteous, no, not one, but Christ, our great champion. He's delivered us from the wrath of God. He has delivered you to be sons and children of God. One time enemy of God, one time Goliath, now you are sons and daughters of the Most High. Clean, holy, the righteousness of God. And even though that victorious in Christ, and you are victorious in Christ, we often stand weak and afraid, do we not? Aren't we often finding ourselves weak and afraid? I had the pleasure this week of, well, it wasn't the pleasure, but my oldest son had to go to the ER, and it was scary. And as a father, I'm very scared. My son's in the ER, and he's scared, and he's got pain. And he said to me, Daddy, can we pray? And I was like, oh. Because he knew where his victory comes from, from the mouth of a babe. Can we pray? Yes, son. (laughs) He knew where his victory stood. But he was still weak, still afraid. That is, we see we must continually, all of us, we must continually cling to our champion. We must continually discard our glory, for we are nothing, and we look to Christ alone. He is our glory. He is the glory of God. He's not our God because of our devotion. He's not our God because of our victory. He is our God because of the cross and death of the Son of God. Victory comes by suffering. The cross is our glory, not our efforts, but our faith. Faith in Christ, who's delivered us from destruction. So put away visions of earthly glory and take up your cross and follow him. Christianity is a glory story, but it's not your best life now. Jesus says this life is now one of persecution, famine, pandemics, martyrdom, tribulation of various kinds. It was said during the Middle Ages, the church is a perpetually defeated thing. The church is a perpetually defeated thing 
that always outlives her conquerors. The church is a perpetually defeated thing that always outlives her conquerors. The Bible says, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. That's our glory. Do you see it right there? Right there we are sheep to be slaughtered. And right there we see the glory of God. For right there in defeat, in defeat the glory of of the cross shines. No. And all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We face Goliath all the time. And as you live, you will live, and you will face Goliath, but do not fear. You have a champion. Revelation 5.5 says, And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Weep no more. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has conquered. And the world with its demons filled are devoted to destruction. The true David, the true conqueror will return in the prowess of a warrior champion. He's our fierce lion king. And he will cleanse the world of all the unclean. And we, the baptized, will reign with him forever over all creation. So fear not. Jesus is the true Goliath killer. At Covenant Reformed Church in Missoula, Montana, we sincerely believe God's word and faithfully teach it. We invite you to worship with us on Sundays. For more information, please visit MissoulaURC.com. That's MissoulaURC.com.